a new episode of my new podcast. You just heard a clip from my new song called Ribbons on the Cuffs. It's available everywhere you usually listen to music. Uh, Today's episode is a special one for me. Uh, I barely know where to begin with this intro. Um, Aaron Hemphill uh, used to play in a band called Liars. Liars is easily one of the most interesting and unique bands of the last two decades, and they've been one of my top most consistent influences, uh, literally since I was 13 years old. Uh, I found their debut album, uh, quote, they threw us in a trench and stuck a monument on top, unquote, in an FYE way back in the day, um, if any Zoomers are listening, FYE was like a CD media type of chain store, uh, typically found in your local shopping mall. <laughs> uh, bought a lot of CDs there growing up. And I picked up, uh, one of those CDs I picked up was Liars, the first album. I picked it up because the cover art looked interesting, and I've been listening to them ever since. Uh, I still listen to that record. I still listen to all their music uh, on a consistent, regular basis. And their career has just been one of a kind artistically. Uh, I think they're really underrated and underappreciated. You know, their sound ranging from the perfectly executed Gang of Four style dance punk of the first album to experimental noise pop to albums consisting of basically just drums and vocal chants. Uh, And their most recent endeavors have been electronic uh, EDM sort of influenced uh kind of like electro-punk in some uh, aspects. Um, And on top of that, I think the narrative and mystique behind their whole career has been as equally fascinating as the music. I remember reading that the reason they changed their sound on every album was because they would stop using instruments as soon as they started getting proficient with them. And they'd switch to something else. And things like that were super inspiring to me growing up. And um, as someone, you know, as a kid that um, really felt like an outsider and felt, you know, you're always looking for ways to differentiate yourself or, like, validate your identity. And my identity was being different from everybody. And... They were the epitome of being different. Um, Even the first album, the title, They Threw Us in a Trench and Stuck a Monument on Top, was a reference to the fact that they got lumped in with the dance punk scene of the early 2000s in New York City. Um, But anyways, it followed their whole career, all the albums, all the interviews, all the music videos. So you can imagine how nervous I was to talk to one of my idols for my podcast. 
a person who only existed through these like surreal and mystical art pieces, which I steadily consumed over the past 15 years. And um, so the reason this episode happened and came together was uh, Aaron left the band a few years ago, and I became curious to see what he's been up to since. So I followed him on Instagram and spontaneously decided to leave a comment, giving my spiel about how I found his record when I was 13 and how Lars is one of my favorite bands and so on. And he replied with a DM saying thank you, and he followed me back. And about a week goes by, and I get the idea, what if I ask him to come on my podcast? And uh, I was very nervous about this prospect um, for a few reasons. One being that this guy is literally one of my idols since forever. I've mentioned him by name countless times as one of my influences. Uh, And secondly, being that Liars has such a long history. uh, How many albums? Off the top of my head, I don't even want to guess. But uh, more albums than any other guest (laughs) that's been on this podcast has had. And I usually like to go through the timeline and kind of talk about each album and talk about what was going on in the guest life and how was I going to do that with Aaron. That would be like a three, four-hour podcast if we did that. Uh, The third reason that this was a daunting um, idea was that Liars has always been a bit shadowed and kind of... Um, had sort of like a carefully crafted image and we talk about this a little bit maybe it wasn't uh, it's intentional but not always exactly intentional we talk about that and uh, that idea relating to art in general um but they've never, you know, Lars was never super upfront about their personal lives, which added this sort of intrigue to the band. Um, uh, that said, that idea also plays into this next bit of information, which is we ended up not being able to talk about Lars that much. Like I said, Aaron left the band a few years ago, so it's technically not his band anymore. And he felt that any sort of narrative or mystique that the band had built up deserves to be preserved, and he shouldn't be the one to tamper with it, considering it's not his band anymore. And I totally respect that, and I think that is kind of like a testament to Liars, the project and the band and the idea. Um, And, you know, that's what I love about them. So I totally respect that. And we talked about kind of like how you don't want to get to know. (laughs) You don't want to, sometimes you don't want to know. Sometimes you want the band, whatever it is, not even just Liars, but it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be a band. That thing that you really love and look up to, it needs to exist the way that it exists to you. 
And sometimes having that mystique demystified is not what you want as a fan. And um, I totally respect his opinion on this. And uh, so we ended up having a really fun and interesting conversation anyways. We talked about his life growing up in L.A. pre-internet. We touched a little bit of Liars on Liars' history, um, mostly the early years as it pertained to his life and his experience living in New York City during the early 2000s, um, which, like I mentioned before, was a really happening time with the dance punk revival being a thing, namely the Yeah Yeah Yeahs being the biggest band to come out of that scene, which Liars were a part of. Uh, so we talked about that a little bit. We talked about the music he makes now under the name non which is a really exciting project, and I definitely recommend checking that out. I'll leave links in the podcast description. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where his sound goes next. Uh, uh, I'm sorry if this is such a long intro. This might be the longest intro I've done that's specifically speaking about the guest um, and not, you know, talking about myself. Uh, but you can see why I was nervous to do this because there's so much background and context to cover and it's just like, how do you approach this? But I'm glad I did and I'm glad I asked him and I'm glad, I'm glad we got to talk um, and I'm very glad to be in touch with him. I mean, that's, this is, you know, somebody I really look up to and, uh, I really appreciate him taking the time to indulge me and answer my questions and, uh, be candid. I think it was really cool of him and I'm very excited and honored to share this episode with you guys. Uh, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Aaron Hempel, formerly of the band Liars, currently of non Perez. Here's the show. Uh, how did you end up uh, living in Berlin for long term? Uh... Yeah, so I was, um, let's see, I was living in Los Angeles and it had been, you know, I'd lived in Los Angeles for a while. It's where I'm from, I was born, but mm. I, mo- I moved back there after living in actually Brooklyn and it had been like five years, six years. And I was just in a, in a, in a place personally where I didn't have much reason to be in LA and I was on tour a lot with liars and, I didn't, um, yeah, I just felt really bad there, to be honest with you. And it was uh-huh. no one's fault but my own, you know. So, yeah, I had been out here before, like, um, and was, was working on music a long time ago. And so it was somewhere in Europe where I thought uh, I could be productive but also live in Europe. And a time just went by and things just happened, and, and um, I ended up staying Um yeah, it's already been, I think, God, five years. Wow. Yeah. That's great, though. That's really cool. Yeah, 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 definitely. What What was it like growing up in L.A.? 
Oh, uh, the, the longer I'm in Berlin, the more I appreciate um, uh, being born in L.A. And I think the time that I was I was I was a kid in L.A. Um, yeah, it was great. Uh, I my parents were sep- separated really early on. So I grew up in, in a f- quite a few different parts of L.A. Like my dad lived in the suburbs and then my mom lived more um in the city um so i got to see a lot of a lot of la but then most most of my when i was like 10 i I mostly grew up in the suburbs um which was really great too um yeah i uh i'm still friends with a few people and and i think it's really um i don't know it's something i feel lucky for now you know like living living in the suburbs and like going to shows in the city and just the ways that we had to be creative to have fun. Um, yeah, it's something that I, I really miss, I guess. Maybe it's like a nostalgia for the time. Uh-huh. Not, not really the no, place. I feel that. It's hard. I don't know. Like I think LA, like many cities, especially now, um, it's, it's hard to separate the nostalgia for the place or the time, because I think with time, the city becomes less recognizable and, right. um, and faster. So a lot of things that I used to do or go to or places I used to eat at aren't, aren't there anymore. Neighborhoods change, of course, but really quickly. So I don't know. I, I think maybe it's a bit of both. It's a nostalgia for the, the time how, like, uh, of when I was a teenager growing up, as well as like the things that we had. Uh, access to I mean it's so we're, we're so lucky we didn't even know it but um yeah just so many great bands playing all the time you get to and I, I also feel like back then there was probably so much mystique to the music world and the art world and going to record stores and zines and you know having to find things word of mouth do you feel like that plays a part of it absolutely absolutely i think i think like with my age too it has uh it makes a difference in terms of how i engage with albums i think or or art or projects and um yeah definitely for sure and i i think la back like when i was a teenager growing up or even even like um 20 years ago it was always this place where, where no one would, would want to move there. Like people would threaten like, Oh, I'm leaving New York for LA, but they never would because it's like, you have to get a car, you have to deal with this, um, this issue sooner or later. And I, I don't know. My, my theory is, is that like Uber and things like that changed it completely, you know? And that's when people started moving there from, from all over. And, um, yeah, at the same time I, I, I left LA. So I lost, touch with it but no it was yeah i mean we we used to take just because we were bored we would drive like two hours to a record store not knowing if they had anything good or anything better but it was just like okay that's the day that we have and then at night we'll try to steal some alcohol somewhere or something Uh you know um and i remember like like many times you buy like twenty dollars worth of records and one song might be good and that was kind of right. great. Like I kind of, I miss like being bummed out by records, like, <laughs> like buying a full record and having it suck, but you still force yourself to like it because the logo is cool or something. Yeah. Things that are very like disposable and um, 
uh, you know, it's so saturated, and since everything is streaming, there's no like uh, risk involved. Yeah, it's it's risk, and it's also I don't think that there's much like you you know there were records or bands that I really fought hard to to get into, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't, but. Um, I don't know. I think maybe, you know, I don't know. People probably still engage with music the same way. I'm just more out of touch with that, sort of how they do it in, in the current way. What kind of bands were you into back then and, like, what kind of shows? And also, how did you get into that kind of th- stuff, the alternative type of uh, music? Ooh, it's, like, twofold. I, um, so uh, I told you my parents split up early, and, and I grew up at my mom's for a while, and I had an older brother and he was into like um, like goth and punk, and I mean back then, like you, if you were into music, you were an outcast. So he, but he was more into like goth and punk, and then industrial. So he he showed me a lot of great music when I was a kid. And then when I I moved out of that place and lived with my dad, I just got into sort of I was always into music, but I got into like punk rock and, and uh, there was like venues around LA that had like both punk and hardcore shows, but then they'd have other bands like um, more sort of artsy bands and you would just go, you didn't know who was playing. You would just go and pay like four bucks or you'd sneak in and you get exposed to, to, to music that way. And then um yeah, then you, if you're bored, you go, you, you drive to Hollywood and you go to the record stores and you talk to the person and that works there. And you figure, you just, it was a full time, not a job when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the full, that's your, I was just obsessed with it, uh, I, you know, with music. That's amazing. Forever. So it, yeah, it just sounds so um, archaic, but it, yeah, that's just what, what we, I did with my time entirely, really. Did you play in bands at that point or? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I was, um, uh, 16, I started a band or we, I started a band with my friends, um, really just to try and, and open shows that our favorite bands would play. And I think that was the, the objective for a lot of early bands that I was in. But the first band I was in was it's when I was in high school called phil's throne like the the like a man named phil and his throne like his toilet it was named after uh our singer's grandfather and i mean we had like 20 different types of stickers before we even had a song so it was just a lot of fun and we (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's so like of the time yeah yeah for sure and um i don't know actually like when i think back on it i think that I mean, this is what everyone says, I think, in, in any sort of type of art or, or or thing that you make. It's like, I think that our attitude was great, actually. <laughs> like, our songs were really bad, but we, like, like live, I think our goal was just to, to play on the same bill as our favorite bands and to get kicked out of the venue. So we, we were, like, teenagers, super drunk, and yeah just causing complete chaos um so i don't know that's so classic yeah and the music was secondary so i don't know i mean i think i think that that the the bands like that or music projects like that i don't know if there's there's new um 
or current examples of this, but where you can have the music be secondary and still have the band be great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like when people ask you the question, what's your favorite record versus what's your favorite band? I think when I answer that question, I, I can like bands that may not make my favorite music, but what they did in their existence is, is, you know, remarkable. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I love all of Liar's music, but I think what influenced me more than the sound was just like the approach and like the, the philosophy behind it all. And um, so it's kind of a funny coincidence that you say that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, th I think that that, that um, it's easier for, for fans of music to form a connection to all the things outside of the music when less information is provided. And of course that, that may sound like, like fans are just forming connections based on misunderstanding or assumptions, but I think it's like fantasy or it's imagination or I think with art and when you engage with art or music, it doesn't have to be connections based on fact. I mean, it's like, it's not like, you know what I mean? Um, you like liars because we all had the same favorite color and you could prove it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, um, and I think that that's a very, uh, uh, um, it transports you out of, out of, uh, a situation you don't want to be in to somewhere, um, more exciting or happier or, or it's a trans it's a, what is the word I'm looking for? Transportive quality of music or transport transportive is not the right word, but, uh, <laughs> I understand you, what you're saying though. Yeah. And you guys yeah. were like very enigmatic. And for me as a fan, I definitely, um, there was, you know, there's a mystique there that I found really appealing. Was that like intentional? Do you think? Um, yes, I think like, I think if you're to ask, so if, like if you're to ask me about like things being intentional, I think it's important for me to point out that when I say that they were, were attempted to be intentional, like there's three people in liars and we all, all three of us were very different and we all had very different um, ideas and, and hopes or intentions or things we wanted to, to set forth. So sometimes that even though one or two of us or well would, would intend to, to try to communicate something, a lot of it has to do with luck. So when I say, yeah, it was intentional, it doesn't mean that we were experts at executing uh, mystique. <laughs> right. I understand. Yeah. I mean, so much of like music and, uh, art in general is very kind of chance and things happen by accident and you just roll with it. Um, I think like a good example, a friend of mine, um, he sent me this uh, documentary on design and he was, uh, he's like, Oh, do you know that the mute records logo came from a letter set? I'm like, yeah, actually I did. I, I remember when, when we first got on mute, I asked Daniel Miller about the design. And so when Daniel started mute, you know, he was super young. He was in his, in his mom's house. He wanted to put out his first record that he made. And, you know, he, he, I don't, you know, I think I remember, I think I remember him saying it, but he didn't put too much thought into it. It looked good. It was available. It looked finished. 
and it's like when you if you don't know the story you can you can just like god how did they think of this how did they plan this is such a perfect strategy your mind could go in in such uh, in t- on, on intense journeys as to how that 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 um conclusion was met and and sometimes it's just chance sometimes it is uh, labored over but i think it's the not knowing that that gives the person engaging with the music uh more freedom and i think that's a great thing yeah and these days it's so extremely hard to like have that kind of um that kind of thing with any type of art because everyone's constantly oversharing on social media and it's so hard to stay off of it because all of your friends are on it and I, I don't maybe people are more interested in you know influencers quote unquote or whatever sharing their entire life you know or at least the good parts of it I, it's I, I don't know yeah. it's very hard to find that these days the kind of uh, concealed nature of somebody's work yeah yeah absolutely and and uh i th- i don't know i think it's there, there there's a band i don't know if you know this band royal trucks from no, i'm not familiar from, okay they're from the from the 90s i think they were really incredible at at um sort of having this this mystique and they even put out like a, a vhs tape called what is royal trucks and you you watch it like to get a glimpse of of what's behind the curtain and i i don't know i don't want to know if it's intentionally like um exaggerated misleading or confusing but you end up watching it like fuck who who are these people they're they're crazy or not i don't think they're crazy you're just like wow i still i don't know um you're more interested in, in, in them and kind of there's like a bigger aura of like, uh, how do these people make music or, and, and you just want to, I, I don't know. It, it, to me, that was very interesting. Like, I think they were a really interesting band. I don't, I don't really want to know the truth. <laughs> so, yes. I totally feel that. I think yeah. like I was lucky enough to meet people who were involved in some of like, some of their early stuff that I was really excited about. And they started telling me about it. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to know, you know, cause yeah, know, yeah. maybe they were really bad people. Maybe they were good people. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's my record. It's not Royal Trucks's record. <laughs> I absolutely feel that. Yeah. Um, so how did Liars start? I'm very interested in like the beginning of the band and how um, you know uh, they threw us in a trench came to be and I don't know if you could talk about that at all. Yeah, um, Liar started. Um, uh, Angus and I met uh, in Los Angeles and we just started making. I mean, the way like we we were jamming like maybe twice or three times like where we sat and played instruments together. And I think that we were both quite shy about that. And we, we got a four track cassette recorder and we realized that it was a great way to put down ideas without like having to um, improvise in front of each other. And so we just started making songs that way, like together or by ourselves. And it became a way to write music, but also be creative and outside of jamming. 
So very early on, we had like a ton of songs, but we didn't play much to get like live, you know, or, or together in a room. And that just became pretty much how, how we made music forever. Um, until I, I, you know, for when I was in the band, um, but it was just about that. I mean, I think like every day we made music and it, and it continued that way just, just forever. And with, uh, the first record, those were, were songs that we had made on four track, uh, and we moved to Brooklyn and we didn't have any friends and we were looking for a band to play live. You know, we were like, okay, well, if we're going to be in a band, we have to play live. So we put up a, a flyer looking for people to play live. And um, we met the uh, Pat and Ron, the bass player and <clears throat> drummer. I'm like, cool, uh, let's jam. Let's write some songs. We're like, no, actually we have a tape. And we gave them a tape with like, I don't know, 20 songs, but like, over half of that record I think was on it. And then there's a few tracks, maybe one that we wrote all together, but yeah, I mean, yeah, these, these two guys came, they, they had experience in bands and we just gave them a tape. Like, look, we have, you know, 40 songs already, just no people to play them with. And so I think it was backwards in that sense. Hmm. What initially inspired that move to um, New York? Oh God, I think like, like uh, our age and, and just being in LA and uh, yeah, I think New York just seems so different and maybe people say this all the time, but New York was, was different back then and it, and it felt really exciting and I think it would have been a really stupid answer, like it just seemed different and exciting. You know, I think we're at that age where you can just move across the country with with a reason like that. I can't I can't say that we were we had some brilliant reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Did, did um were you already familiar with the bands that were out there? Or like, because people talk about like the um, you know late nineties, early two thousands kind of New York scene at the time. Um, were you familiar? Did you get involved in that at all? Well, that was a coincidence. I mean, I think that we moved out there and we didn't know that those bands were living there. <clears throat> so, we, you know, I think there was a few times where we would go try to see music like at a venue and it was just really bad. And we were just like, God, we moved out to New York and the music is horrible. But all these bands that came out around that time that were great, that we became friends with, um, it was a coincidence. I think it was really incredible that we got to be, to meet those people. And, and at the time, I, I think we felt like a little locked into like some New York scene thing, but I think now it's, it's, we're really lucky to, to be surrounded by such, uh, incredible stuff. Yeah. Because I guess, you know, the story that's out there is that they threw us in a trench was named after the fact that you were, lumped in with the dance punk sort of scene at the time is that true yeah and i mean it's of course with a lot of time passing by my my opinion of that is like of course we were (laughs) (laughs) it was we only had made one record it sounds like that it it can easily fit into that category i think you know you you 
at the time, I think we we're always thinking about what what music we wanted to make in the future and the ideas that we had that we wanted to, you know, where we could move to, what direction we could head towards. And you haven't moved there yet, but you just know that you can and you've got all this energy and you're going to do it. And I'm not just that. I mean, if like, you know, what are people supposed to call it? <laughs> yeah. So it, what it seems a little... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, you can finish. No, no, it just seems a little si like not silly because it, I think it's important to sort of have that that um, in you when you're first start like getting a project off the ground. Like you, you should sort of be a little bit uh, anxious, you know. Yeah, I mean that's <clears throat> that's another thing is like I sometimes wish I had that sort of like um, sound to fit a popular scene, you know, and it's, it's hard to make yourself do something like that um, deliberately. And so, if, I mean, if it happens, you know, just by chance like that, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, it, you could find that, that uh, you fit into a more, or, or you sound similar to what other people are doing in a, in a more organic way. And that, I think that's, that's incredible, you know? Um, but did you guys have the intention to like grow an audience or were you just, um, doing it and, you know, without really thinking about the future? I, don't, I think if I remember right, and I could be wrong, um, we all had day jobs and we just wanted to figure out a way to make music instead of working. And if that meant touring constantly or whatever we had to do, <clears throat> that's what we did. And I think that we toured a lot, even before our first, right when our first record came out, you know, in a van on our own playing people's houses, whatever. So we, we did that a lot. Like we, we, we worked really hard um and just played music all the time and wrote music all the time <clears throat> um so i think that was the goal and and we were so busy doing that that i think as a side as a side effect it it, it just um seemed to attract uh a label's attention or or things like that and it just uh carried was carried by its own momentum uh yeah so at, at what point did you guys get linked up with mute and how did that feel at the time uh it, so we we uh we put out a rec our first record came out on like a on a on a punk label actually and mute reissued it but so this this we finished recording that that record and our friend steve recorded it for like half the price it was like a lot of friends really helped us out and um we had a three-month tour of the u.s booked like right when that thing came out so three months straight in like a van playing all sorts of different sh i mean it was crazy uh but the last show of that tour was in brooklyn and someone from mute was there and so we got an email and angus was like oh have you heard of mute records like, yeah, of course. Like, oh, someone is writing us and they want to meet with us. I'm like, oh, this has got to be a mistake or this or some 
some guy who doesn't know, hasn't heard about mute records named his record label mute i you know I, <laughs> I thought it was a joke and then yeah next thing you know we're having a dinner with a with someone from england you know so <laughs> um wow. yeah it was it was crazy and i think uh i think you know we we had at the time like a few not a lot but a few labels interested it was it was kind of before uh a lot of labels were coming to to brooklyn so mute got to us really early and we avoided uh a lot of like you know we weren't uh courted as severely as some of our friends were but uh, they came early and for many, you know, for many reasons, we just were like, this is perfect. And um, that's how that happened. Wow. That's awesome. I would have loved to see some of those shows back then. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know if any of those are, if you can see them on online, um, but yeah, um, God, I don't, yeah, it was fun. I can't, I can't, that's, I can say that it was fun to play. Do you ever like listen to the old work that you did in Liars? Do you ever listen to those first couple records? Ooh, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. And it's, <clears throat> it's not anything to do out of, um, like a personal, uh, feeling of like how I feel about that work. I think it's, it's more like, um, it's uh it's like watching what's what would it be like i don't this is maybe a cliche explanation it's like reading a diary from when you were like younger and you're scared to see how maybe emotional you were or how you handled things in a well, uh, yeah i don't know so um sometimes i do because um you know, friends of mine will, will talk to me about it or, or it's not like, like I, I, I refuse to, uh, I can't look back, man. Oh no, that's the past. I'm all about uh -huh. blah, blah, blah. No, it's not, it's not a relationship like that. I think I just sort of feel like, God, I, I should have redone this part a bit better or, right. but no, it's, it's never, it's not, it's, yeah, I don't know. It feels a little, let me see if you get this analogy. It's kind of like when you look at La like Lars from Metallica and he's always got a Metallica shirt on. And you're just like, <laughs> I don't, don't want to <laughs> yeah. always wear a Metallica shirt. I feel weird wearing a Metallica shirt. But no, it's, yeah, sometimes I do. And, and um, I mean, I'm very proud of, of, of uh, what we did. And um, yeah, yeah, it's not it's not that I have any any bad uh, avert like like I said, it's not a, an aversion to it. How how do I say non pareils or non parades? Non pareils, yeah. Non pareils. Uh, when did that start? Uh, when I when I was in Berlin um, after I left Liars, um, I had some material and I just. Um, I just, I just finished, like I, I'm, I had material and I wanted to finish a record because, you know, I don't know if you have the same thing, but I was just thinking of it as a record and I'm like, God, it would be really great if I could like see it on my iTunes or hold a, a CDR and make a cover and give it to my friends for Christmas or, you know, that was like the real goal. I mean, it was like, I was, I didn't have like these, this, uh, 
I wasn't even going to give it to mute. I didn't, I just was like, okay, well, let's just see if I, if I can make music and still enjoy it. And I, of course I did. And, um, I finished the record and a friend that used to work at mute was like, Oh, Hey, I heard you, uh, you finished a record. Can I hear it? And I sent it to him just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he passed it on to mute and, and, um, yeah, it just, uh, they were they were excited to put it out, which blew my mind. And um, I did that record, and yeah, I just I, it it was kind of scary, but I it made me realize I was still I still love writing music and and making records, and um, yeah, so that's where I am now. I mean, I, I just I think it's like a process where <clears throat> when I don't have time to work on music, it feels really scary to get back into it, like maybe I won't like it anymore. Maybe I can't do it anymore. And then when I do it, I'm like, God, why did I ever stop? I'm such a better <laughs> person when I'm working on music. I love it so much. I'm a happier person. You know, I'm just very manic in that sense. And so. No, I feel it. I always get like, um, uh, it's like going to the gym or something like that. It's hard to start sometimes for any number of reasons, but then you do it and you feel so much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like when you're lying in bed, of course you're going to be like, no, I'm too tired to get exercise. But after you do it, you, you, your whole day is better in my opinion, you know, how so. did it, how did it feel, um, writing alone after so many years of, you know, working together? I think, well, I think I could say this cause it's, it's been said a million, like in liars interviews. So I don't think it's a secret, but we used to write separately all the time. I mean, and it goes back to the four track days, you know, where, where we, <clears throat> we would finish songs and give them to each other rather than like um, saying, Oh, Hey, I have this idea. So really writing alone or composing alone, it's always been that way. I mean, um, yeah, again, I don't think I'm revealing anything uh, with liars in terms of saying that. But so that wasn't really different. I think um, what was different is like saying, okay, this is how I want the record to be and it's finished. At this mm. point, it's finished. Or when you go to the mixing phase, you're like, okay, uh, I can say alone that this is finished and it's you know, it's good and bad. I'm not going to say it's like, Oh my God, thank God I could do it. You know, it's, it's, it's both, you know, it's different. It's both. It's scary. It's more scary, but it's also, you, you can do it how you want, but then you're left with this scary fact that if you don't do it, nothing's going to get done, you know? So, um, yeah, so that was fine. I mean, I think it's, in terms of getting motivated, it was a different thing. And it still is because I think, you know, Liars, we would tour a lot. You know, we were a band that toured and you put out a record, you toured like none Perel's up until this point uh, isn't that way. I'm hoping to change that. But, you know, so it's like that has to be created too. So I think all those things are very different and, and, um, uh, exciting and scary mm -hmm. what what um kind of inspired uh the sound um well is it is the new record like scented pictures scented pictures being the album you released in 2018 is it um similar or 
What's the direction with the new stuff? Um, the people that I've played it for, the few people that have heard it, they say that they can hear a connection, but that it's uh, different. I think. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I'm the worst person to ask because I just make things way too complicated. Or I'm sure there's a, a much more direct. Like when you hear it, it's a much more simple and direct um, difference, or or not, or similarity. But I think I think just from my perspective, uh, it's more. Ah, oh, God. <laughs> I think it's more <laughs> musical in the sense that like the first record was dealing with a lot with like uh, I was reprocessing things in the computer, like manip like manipulating sounds, like um, acoustic sounds in, in order for them to sound digital. And it was this very, I think very uh, head, like mental uh, concept approach like ooh, i'm gonna manipulate the this one is just more like um i just want the music to sound good and i don't care what instruments i use or i want it to feel good and i want it to be pretty or sad or or ang you know um it's i think that's the best way it's less intellectual it's less claustrophobic from what i've heard uh, it's more melodic from what I've heard. So. <laughs> cool. I'm interested to hear it. You you guys, all, or you always had a great balance of that kind of experimental, um, you know, working with sounds and concepts and as well as songwriting. I, could, I think people sort of underestimate your uh, songwriting ability. Oh, well, that's, that's extremely kind of you. Um, I, I just love, I, you know, I don't know. I just really love music and um, I just try to make uh, songs or, or records that, that um, I would like to hear, you know, or, or that I think are, you know, it's, it's this, this thing. I just want to take part in, in, in music because I, I love it so much still. So I, I don't know. I, I'm really, I'm like, I don't want it to sound like, um, my inability to talk about my own music doesn't mean that it's like, I love it more than anything. And, and it's, it's um, so important to me, you know, it's music is, mm -hmm. and it, it just helps me to be a better person so that I can relate to the people I love in a better way. And, you know, it's, the, it's a very, it's that important to me, you know? I just have a difficult time explaining. It. No, I understand. It can be kind of, especially when you're writing it and making it, it can be so, um, I don't know, vague feeling or like it just kind of happens or it comes from somewhere else. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly. Exactly. I, I tend to like really overthink my own process and I, I feel like I'm almost the opposite to a fault where it's like kind of OCD to every little thing it has kind of like a reason or a deliberacy that I'm at least thinking about. It doesn't always come out that way. Um, like I can't always execute the way that I'm thinking about it, but at least for me, I sometimes, you know, it definitely comes from just somewhere else outside of me that I don't even know. But then other times it's just like, obsessive to every little detail and syllable and note and 
Yeah, I understand. I mean, I th- I think actually you 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 offering that about your process is is a way of of saying what the new record why it's different. So like I think Sended Pictures was very OCD. I had notebooks. I had uh, whatever things I was like inspired by that I kept a list of. And this one, for many reasons, I think it's just, I don't know. I don't know how, how it's coming about somehow at the end of the day, I end up with music that I'm really excited about. And I'm kind of scared to, to question where it comes from or how I arrived to these conclusions until it's finished, because I don't know. I, I, I think, I think right now, I just I'm I'm very like happy with with things in my life so and I'm also trying to like live in a more balanced way where I'm less of like a studio rat and I'm more you know a, a more well-rounded human being and I think that it makes through just no I shouldn't deserve any credit it's not like I'm I've developed this sense for it, but I think just in being a more balanced human being and, and a more sensitive or caring human being, it makes the music more well-rounded in that, in that sense. So that's really interesting. And again, it's not, it's not that I've figured out this way of, you know, I don't know. Like I literally sometimes feel like it's just finishing itself and I get credit for it. somehow but really it's the people or or feelings i have that uh, yeah it's confusing (laughs) do you there's probably less pressure as well i mean do you have plans to eventually play shows again in the future or anything like that i would like to for sure um because i miss i miss just playing instruments and i miss playing with people um so yeah i would love to i don't know um it's something that i I really want to do yeah absolutely um is there like a a release date or anything like that for the new record and what's it called oh no there's it's still super early um okay so uh no there's no release date because i'm it's still in the early process so i see um yeah yeah, I think I can only really say I'm working on it. It's coming soon. It's coming. It'll be out on mute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to mute. Go follow, like, <laughs> subscribe to mute records. And- please, God, that yeah, please for sure. Um, do you have anything you want to ask me while we're here? Uh, yeah. What do you? Are you working on new music? Yeah, I, um, I'm always writing songs and, um, I don't know, it's, I've been feeling sort of, I've been having sort of complicated feelings about music in general and what I want and how to get it. And, um, so I've got like an EP basically ready and I'm trying to write like an LP and just kind of have either... Or because I'd really like to work with like um, an established label and like put myself out there and grow an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so difficult these days. Um, I'm sure maybe you're familiar, but you know the the industry and like the 
way labels work and how saturated it all is, it's so difficult to penetrate. Mm. Um, so I'm kind of at a toss up where it's like, I, I want to do things my way and just release it how I want to. But I also would like to get an audience. And in order to do that, I need to kind of like play within the rules of the game, <laughs> so to speak with like the album cycles and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. then, you know, nobody wants it. <laughs> no labels want to do it and press people will always ignore me. So, um, <laughs> it's, all I care about is writing songs, you know, and I, I just want to be able to do that and sustain it in some way and have people listen. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, I was just lucky that, that Mew got involved with us like super early on. So it was something that I was lucky enough to not be forced to sort of, um, uh, think about, but I think, uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I think, um, you, I don't know. Yeah. If you, if you ask me, I think it, you should always try to do the thing you want to be doing most because people will see you doing that. And you know what I mean? It's like, uh, if, if writing songs is what you want to do the most and you keep producing music, then that's if that's what you get noticed for then that's what you are expected to do so it's less difficult mm. if you if you get noticed for uh posting um cooking videos to instagram in order to promote your record so that you can do what you really want to do which is write music you might get stuck posting cooking videos <laughs> in right. which case you're going to be really unhappy but um I don't know. I know that 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 might sound like a bit, uh, uh, what's the word, idealistic, or it kind of doesn't give any sort of results in terms of uh, expanding your audience. But I think I think that there's something to be said for. I think people. I don't know how it is now, but I, I believe or I hope that people take notice of that type of momentum where if you love writing songs and you just keep putting out records regardless it's something that i think people instinctively take notice of like wow you know blush cameron is just producing record after record and clearly because he lo uh, blush cameron loves it you know it's like i think uh i don't know i don't know it, it, it's, no, that makes sense. I think people do notice that kind of consistency at some point. Yeah, I think I yeah. think of like guided by voices or something like that, or like I think there's kind of like a handful of other like um, I don't know cleaners from Venus or something where maybe at the time there wasn't as much appreciation that they got kind of later down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and I think those are great examples, but I mean. And nothing, nothing can help you sleep better at night than when you, regardless of the outcome, you have material that you've worked on. You have work, you know, you have yeah. songs like, like, uh, you've, you've been able to do what you're passionate about, you know, like the, the outcome regardless can erase, you know, 
a new song that you wrote and the, how exciting that is to write like a song that you like, you know? So, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I think, I think that, that if I were to have to be honest, it's like a strategy to avoid having a strategy, I guess, mm. because really like, yeah, you could argue, okay, but that doesn't really help improve like the, it, you, I guess it's like a leap of faith, but the thing that isn't faith-based is the fact that yeah you'll have the work to show for it you know like i, th I think anything where to me that's at least what i would follow is anything where you're productive and you're able to work hard at it it, it you'll be in a better way with yourself that's my belief but yeah <laughs> i yeah I, th I really appreciate that insight coming from you um and thanks again so much for doing this. And I'm such a huge fan. And, you know, feel free to keep in touch and contact me anytime. And I'd love to hear, you know, your new music when it's ready to be heard. I'm excited for you to hear it. I think uh, I'm really, like, I'm really happy making it. And I think I'm really excited about it. But, and you, you keep in touch too. I, I'm, I really liked your music that I checked out. And I, I think, um, if I may say so, I don't want, I'm not coming from any um, different position because we're both making music on our own. But I think, uh, yeah, it seems like you have a really great attitude and approach to it. And um, just uh, keep the momentum going and, and all the other stuff is secondary. I think just, just, yeah, be productive. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think it'll turn out great. I think it, it your work has a great spirit and that's a very important thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that quote on the next uh, album cover. <laughs> throw it on the back. <laughs> it, has a, it has a great spirit. <laughs> but you know you also have to understand that i'm not an expert in anything i'm just a very lucky person so <laughs> <laughs>